this episode, we got some training from this guy called Tom Hopkins. And he said, why did you do that? They're obviously just doing what I did. People do things that, because they've always been done that way and it's not always with a good reason. It's one of those ones that could be used for good or evil. I, I like the fact that the grandmother was in New Zealand and, and lived in a small cottage. Right, sorry, if it's completely true, if there's a sniff yeah. of implausibility. Did the oligarch thing happen? And he said, nah, that is total bullshit. That's not to say it didn't happen, right? Luckily, I don't take offence easily. That's, oh, goodness. <laughs> um. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan, And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Well, Mark, I believe you have the story for the day. Why don't you, uh, why don't you kick off? All right. I'm going to kick off. This is... We've spoken about these sorts of stories before. This is an apocryphal story, but it's one that's potentially quite useful when you need to get people to change and there's a strong tendency that people are just doing things because that's the way they've always done them. And so back in 2011, I had arrived in Coffs Harbour and I had to get down to Bellingen and I was in a taxi and so it was about a 20 minute taxi ride. And I started talking to the cabbie, he's a very friendly guy. And he told me that he'd, he'd in a previous life worked for Toyota as a sales guy and that they gave amazing sales training. And I'm not even sure how we got onto this topic. But then he said, oh, and I remember we got some training from this guy called Tom Hopkins from the US. And oh, yeah. uh, Tom had told him about this. And he goes, I still remember this story that Tom told. And so, uh, Tom had talked about how he'd met a girl and kind of fallen in love with her. And she and Tom went to meet her mother. So it's a big event. And so they've turned up at the mother's house and the mother is preparing a lamb roast. And he watched her as she was putting the lamb roast in the oven. And she put that in the pot and then she cut off the shank and threw it in the bin and then whacked it in the oven. And he was a bit surprised because he liked the lamb shank. And he's going, oh. But he didn't want to say anything, right? So he's out there. Yeah. <laughs> this is a big event. So he, he waits till they get home. And uh, he's talking to his wife about it. And she goes, no, no, that's, you know, we, that's what we do. And he, months later, his wife, oh, sure, he went on and married her. And, and she prepared a pot roast. And she did the same thing. She cut the lamb shank off. And he said, why did you do that? And she goes, oh, wow. It's because we always do it. Anyway, he didn't think of it for a while. And then years later, they went to visit his wife's grandmother in New Zealand. And she lived in this little cottage in New Zealand. And they walk in and he says, now, here's the thing. You know, my wife cuts the lamb shank off. And why, why do they cut the lamb shank off? And the grandmother goes, oh, oh, that's because... I've got this tiny little cottage and this tiny little stove and I can't fit the whole the whole roast in. So I got to cut the lamb shank off to get the roast in the oven. And that's why I cut the lamb shank off. They're obviously just doing what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, the lamb shank story, uh, people do things that, because they've always been done that way and it's not always with a good reason. Yes, yes. Well, that's a classic, isn't it? And and I'm sure I've actually heard Tom Hopkins tell that story 
on one of you know the good old audio tapes we used to plonk into our vehicles. Oh, it was because um, he had a set of sales training. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, like he yeah. could buy a box set of Tom Hopkins sales training cassettes. Yeah, yeah, that's right, exactly. And my but my father was big. He was a sales guy, and um, you know worked for a car sales yard, for example. And so he was big into the the sales tapes. So we always had sales tapes around uh, our house and. Tom Hopkins was a, a number one seller, I think. Yeah, yeah, he was he was yeah. very big, very big. And if he is a storyteller, then of course he is highly likely to be quite effective because this cabbie, you know, he remembered that story like verbatim. It was it's a funny thing, you know, because I recall at that time I wasn't thinking about whether someone was a storyteller or not, but I would have listened to a lot of those tapes. So, you know, the idea of being immersed in stories is one way to become a storyteller. I think potentially I was um, dipped in story early on through mm. sales tapes. It would be interesting maybe. to go back and uh, review some of those Tom Tom Hopkins things yeah. and just see the extent to which he was a storyteller or, or not. Yeah, or not, yeah. So that's, an, that's a classic little story, isn't it, one of those... Um, um, apocryphal, but you know, a story with a point like that. I'm just trying to, th- yeah. I think the um, it's one of those ones that could be used for good or evil. I think, or to or at least, I shouldn't say good or evil. I should to good effect and to poor effect. Ah, okay. Uh, well, probably. I've got I'm a thinking. couple of things to uh, to talk to you about with uh, using it using that, okay, that tell specific me. story. But no, no. Let's first of all do what. So, what do we like about that story? Well, it's about the everyday things that we do, you know, so uh, cooking, you know, relationships, uh, mothers, wives, grandmothers. It's one of those stories that's going to travel because everyone has those things happening in their lives or, you know, some version of that. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why it's it's just based on these really basic things yeah i was talking to a group the other day and they were just asking me you know like if you had an audience that's very diverse what sort of stories you tell well you tell these types of stories right because that you know if you tell something that's too specific to one part of the audience a whole bunch of the others don't get it talk about these things everyone gets it yep yeah yeah that's a good point uh if you haven't heard it before the surprise is strong Right, the grandmother goes. Yeah, right. The yes, pot. I remember the yeah. first time I heard it, and I went, "Yeah, that's a good." Yeah, one. and and look, I remember I was sitting in the back of the cab, and I was just uh, typing notes into my iPhone furiously. <laughs> going, oh, that's a corker! <laughs> <laughs> but and, and in fact, there's a that's a really a, a good point is that when you hear a good story, that's it can really help if you just go start taking notes immediately. Just open your phone, open the notes app, bang, type some stuff in. Um, uh, avoids yeah. that that situation when you go. Oh, I heard that good story in the cab. I can't remember what, what it was. Was that about again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had that happen. Yeah, and I remember I, I wrote down things like Tom Hopkins because that's an important detail for the credibility yes. of the story. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the fact that the grandmother was in New Zealand and, and lived in a small cottage. I, I've never heard that version of the story before, and but it's one of those. I don't know, comforting cause and effect things. You sort of go, oh, of course she has a small oven. You know, she lives in a small cottage in New Zealand. Yeah, in a small and country. They, and they <laughs> eat lots of lamb over there. So, you know, like everything falls together, like a little domino effect. Yeah. Uh, so I quite like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So how could that story be even better? 
this is this part of the controversy, I think. Um, you could tell it as if it actually happened to you, right? Or you could tell it as you just happened to hear it from someone else. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the uh, issues associated with that. Um, in fact, just the content of the story. I mean, it's one of those really simple, simple stories, you know. I don't know. Do you have to paint the picture more about what uh, a lamb shank is? I don't know. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think everybody... No, kind of. Most people got a. I see if, Americans. Americans don't eat lamb, so a lamb shank would mean nothing to the Americans. Well, it meant something to Tom Hopkins. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if he did a lamb shank. It might have been converted. I don't know. I, I, I just know that Americans are not big lamb eaters. Okay, they're not right. like Australian. Well, Zealand, let so me might be. let me give you so how to make it even better. I, I heard yeah. a version. A couple of days ago when I was out running, um, I was listening yes. to the Adam Grant podcast and he was interviewing right. one of the previous, you know, a former senior executive from WeWork. And man, there's a whole raft of stories uh, from from what happened to WeWork. But they were talking about uh, about culture and the culture of, of WeWork. And the guest, whose name I can't remember, said something like, yeah, kind of, it's kind of like the pot roast story. And Adam Grant goes, oh, what's that? And he says, oh, you know, it's like the 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 the, the guy, you know, gets married and his wife's cooking a pot roast and she cuts both ends off the pot roast and sticks in the oven. And he goes, well, why'd you do that? And she goes, oh, the recipe says. And so he goes, where did you get the recipe? Ah, oh, it was mum's. And so he rings the mum and says, hey, what's with the cutting the pot roast off? Oh, uh, that's on the recipe. Uh, and grandma wrote that recipe. And grandma's still alive. So I rang her and I said, so grandma, what's with the pot roast cutting the ends off? And she goes, oh, I've got a tiny, a tiny oven and a tiny uh, pan, so uh, I can't fit it. So I cut the ends off. And so that's kind of the way our culture was. You know, we didn't know that, that we were doing something because of this. Anyway, I really like that version because it's shorter, punchier, and there's no risk of, it's, you avoid the risk of people going, oh, that doesn't sound right. Yes, yes. It has it has built into it both those versions, you know, the, the sort of like the the impact of three things happening, right? Uh, because if you told the story of so um my wife cut off the edges of of the pot roast and I said, "Oh, why'd you do that?" And he says, "Well, my grandmother has a small uh, oven and she cut off her <laughs> pot roast and um, that's why we all cut off our pot roast." Like it just it, doesn't work at all. It just doesn't have that impact, does well, it? Well, it doesn't have any impact. It's It doesn't have any impact other so than got, questioning the sanity of like yeah. why are you doing Why that are you doing that? that? Yeah. So so there's that that element of you know building up the feeling for the the audience of so what happened what happened mm. ah so that's what happened right yeah so i think this this with this story even though i haven't listened to tom hopkins tell it i'm picturing tom hopkins telling it to this this uh, guy in a, in a sales training course and i can't help but thinking i might have been thinking this sounds like bs it just oh when you heard the story yeah i i, I just it's one of those too good to be true type of stories. Stories, yeah. And yep. and it's one of those truths that the people judge our stories by. One of the one of the criteria is plausibility. And the moment they get a sniff of implausibility, even if it is plausible, right? Sorry, if it is completely true, if there's a sniff yep. of implausibility, yes. people start to 
unpack well, it. I've got a, I've got a perfect yeah, example of that, What's Mark. It? So I'm, I'm, I'm reading, I'll just finished reading a book called uh, Flip the Script by Oren Claff. Um, and uh, yeah, he wrote that book. About he's a, he's a, the, the, the pitch king, right? The, that's right. He does pitches, yeah. and it's all about deal making. And and the only reason I read it is a friend of mine was reading it, and we were travelling over to wine region in called Coonawarra, uh, over in South Australia, and we decided to put it on the on our uh, on the on our radio to uh, listen to a bit of it. But anyway, I got into it, and you know he t- he's he's just like one story after the next. So the thing is full of stories. So I like that, but the stories were so richly told. That I must admit, I was sitting there going, oh, I'm not too sure, but I didn't have any experience that was similar enough to test whether the stories might be true. So, um, anyway, one of the stories is about him going and doing this big deal in Russia with this Russian oligarch, right? Well, my our colleague Mike Adams, right, spent five years in Russia and he was, you know, doing those big deals with oil companies and oligarchs. So I sort of said to him, because he'd read it as well, and I said, what do you reckon, Mike? Did uh, did the oligarch thing happen? And he said, nah, that is total bullshit. Right, not a, not a, not a oh, chance in That's right. There's not a chance at all that that would have happened. And I went, okay, okay. And then there's another story at the end where he turns around this pitch uh, where an advertising company loses the pitch uh, and then he comes in and convinces them to run the pitch again, essentially, and then wins the pitch, right? And my dear friend, uh, Darren Woolley, who, like, that's his job. He watches and helps people do pitches in the advertising industry. Like, that's his, that's his whole his thing. World. Yeah. That's his whole thing. And I rang him up yesterday and I said, so uh, what do you reckon you got to the end there? What did you think of the consulting pitch, um, advertising firm pitch uh, story? And again, he just say, almost like the same words. That is utter nonsense. He says, I've never seen that happen. It's just not going to happen. Now, that's not to say it didn't happen, right? It might be one of those stories where it's just so good and so different. It happened, but it's not believable. It's not plausible mm. for, for people in the know, right? Yep. Um, yeah, but it's also you got a sniff of implausibility, and then you did some testing, and that just reinforced it. And now, yeah, you know, that's right. The credibility right. of anything it, he says is called into question. Whereas, you know, if Darren turned around and said, "You know what, Sean, I had something like that happen to me actually, and um, we managed to turn it around as well," well, then I would have said, "Okay, all these stories are true." I would have given him the benefit of the doubt on the oligarch story, mm-hmm. but now that he's come up two two strikes on what other people say, you sort of start to go, hmm, I wonder if that's true or not. So, yeah. I tell you what, I was watching that um, TV show, uh, Would I Lie to You, I think it's called. It's sort of like a panel show from Britain and uh, they have all these stories told and they have to decide whether it's a truth or a lie. Anyway, there was this one story. And they're, so they're all British. So they don't know you know, maybe as much, you know, they don't know like Australians know how didgeridoos work. Right. So anyway, one of the stories was a didgeridoo was up in a tree and he put it up in the tree so that the wind could naturally blow through it and play the didgeridoo. Right. Well, anyone in Australia knows that you can't just blow through a didgeridoo and it will play. I mean, it's a there's a lot of uh, lip manoeuvring there to actually get that sound. Right? have the correct embouchure. And, <laughs> exactly. And so as soon as he said that, the whole story was for me 
I could tell it was a lie straight away, right? But a lot of people there, they, they were really invested in this thing. They couldn't see that this was a lie. Anyway, it just shows you just, it's a, you know, there's so many of those examples of just one little thing can really blow it for you. Ah, that, and that's quite interesting. Uh, I, I'm not even familiar with that TV show, but just this morning on my run, I was listening to uh, uh, the audio book uh, of Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. And, oh, okay. and just how he was just citing example after example, uh, peer-reviewed research paper after peer review about how appallingly bad we are at judging if somebody's lying to us. Like yeah. we are yeah. we are just ridiculously bad. And part of the argument that uh, he's making is that we default to truth. And yes. that if yeah, you need to get that sniff of implausibility before you flick. In fact, flick not even, no, somebody's not even a snip. You need more than that. But uh, yeah. we'll, we'll unconsciously default to truth. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, kind of interesting. I'm, I'm now going to go and watch that TV show. Yeah, you'd enjoy it. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's uh, think about. Is there any places where we'd use it? Yeah. So, I mean, like in any, if if you're in a situation where, oh, I've been in so many change situations where people are going, no, 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 we're unique. Yeah, we have to do it this way. <laughs> yep, heard that one before. Yeah. Um, well, we just started a new sprint internally to anecdote, and uh, one of the things I want to try and get clear on is whether there's anything that we're doing that might fall into that category. So I shared that lamb shank story and said, folks, that's just, it. you know, like what, what are we doing where we're not, where we're just doing it where, without question. Where are we just chopping off the shank? Yeah, so there's two, two right off the bat. What about yep. you? Yep. Yeah. Look, I think it's, yeah, I think that's the main point. It's just around those things that you keep doing for no reason. Or for no good reason, or maybe it was a good reason when you started, but it no longer, you know, is sustained as a good reason. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, before we finish, I just got to share. Uh, I saw this story go bad, go badly wrong. Um, the shank story, the lamb, the lamb, the shank, lamb story. shank story. Really? Yeah. So, at the time I heard that story, and and when I heard it, I'm going, oh, that's such a good story, right? I was working with a senior executive who was trying to institute a whole bunch of significant change within his organization, many thousands of people. And I I just sent him a note. Oh, no, I was, that's right. I was having a phone conversation with him and I said, hey. And I told him this. I said, oh, you know, like I just thought it was a really appropriate to the situation that you're in. And he goes, oh, yeah, that was fine. Anyway, I got a phone call from his. No, in fact, it was an email. I got an email from his secretary hours later saying, hey, um, where is that? And I'd already written a blog post about it. And so I just directed it to the blog post. Didn't think any more about it. Roll the clock forward a few months. I'm back in that organization doing doing some, uh, running some anecdote circles. And somebody said, oh, that that ridiculous lamb shank story. And you know, a number of people, you know, like, oh yeah, ridiculous, what a, you know. And they were really paying out on the executive who'd sent it because the executive had, had, he'd sent it just basically going, I want everybody to, to read this. And then, you know, the, basically the story as extracted from the, from the blog <laughs> and everyone's going, what the heck is this? What is that? Yeah. Oh my God. And so, so no context, no oral telling of it. Yeah. Just read this story, read this story. Oh my God. Um, oh my God. And so 
yeah, there's as you, the, those two things really important. Don't send things without context. You know, even a really good story uh, delivered without context, then you know people it just doesn't work. And the other one is oral telling, much better. Yeah, use it orally. That's right. Get it. Get people in a big town hall, big Zoom meeting, or anything. Have a conversation about than, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh well, that's the lesson, isn't it? No more. Um, it just shows you that it's, just, it's easy to. To, to head in the wrong direction, I suppose, with some of these things. Yeah, and I guess one of the reasons why I share that bit is just to uh, so for anyone out there listening, there's a there's a signal lesson in that one. Yeah. Oh yeah, most definitely. Okay, Mark, let's give it some scores on this. Um, I guess I get to go first, don't I? Look, I can't say, I don't see myself using this story. So I'm going to give it a four. Whoa. Four, yeah. Whoa. I'm going to go low. Whoa. I want to bring out, I want to low expand, the, expand the distribution model. Oh, yeah. Luckily, luckily, I don't take offense easily. That's, oh, goodness. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give this a 6.5, a six and a half. 6.5. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't go to seven. So no, that's, no, that's no. That's a good change. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, Al, thanks everyone again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. Um, and of course, yeah, tune in next week for another episode of How to Put Your Stories to Work. Bye for now. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from Author to Audio.